Hello everybody, Dr. Rick Wallace here, dropping in with a little special announcement for those who have followed me for any stretch of time. You know, outside of the businesses that I run, like Myriad Business Solutions, the Visionetics Institute, Odyssey Media Group, I also do a great deal of work inside of the inner city communities uh, in Houston, Dallas, and other areas. Uh, I'm asking now as we push a fundraiser that you support what the Odyssey Project is doing in the inner cities, uh, especially with programs like Black Men Lead, which is a rite of passage uh, initiative, and Restoring Ghetto for, Ghetto's Forgotten Daughters, which is a program focused on helping young girls, but boys as well, suffering from childhood sexual abuse. Uh, rape, molestation, domestic abuse, uh, absentee fatherhood, and so many other things. Uh, the information will be in the box. Thank you. Well, hello, everybody. It's Dr. Rick. This is the Black Voice. I have with me a brother uh, I definitely am inspired by, I admire. Uh, and I pay close attention to his narratives uh, because of his unique experience. Uh, and that is Tony, filmmaker Tony Lindsay, independent filmmaker. Uh, I've had a chance to review uh, a recent project I think was just really off the chain. Um, Tony, first, so I'm just going to let you introduce yourself uh, to them. They've seen you before on The Teachers, uh, but it's been a minute. And I want to uh, real quickly acknowledge uh, my ace, my partner, uh, Dr. Michael Blanchard, who is on hiatus. He's on sabbatical right now, dealing with some issues. You guys keep him lifted. Um, and we're going to continue to move forward. I'm going to be doing some things with the teachers while he's gone with his blessings. Uh, but uh, we both have a tremendous amount of respect for Tony and what he does and what he stands for. And if you guys know me, you know, I don't invite yes men on my uh, on my channel. I didn't bring him here because we agree on everything. I bring him here because he has a critical path to thought uh, and he is willing to substantiate what he believes based off of his experience and his awareness. Uh, and it offers for great uh, dialogue. So Tony, let, let him know a little bit about yourself and we'll get right into this. Uh, yeah, peace. Thank you for the invite. I'm Tony Lindsay. I am a filmmaker. I live in Brooklyn, New York. I'm also a single father. I'm a real estate investor and entrepreneur. Uh, and I also, uh, I guess, have pretty strong opinions on some stuff. So, I mean, I don't know if, 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 if you would say I'm an activist, but I am pretty involved uh, in the things that, you know, involve my community. Uh, and I do my best to just, you know, try to spread the, you know, positive messages and messages of common sense. You know, hence, you know, I'm, I'm actually in the process of uh, setting up my own podcast and, you know, hopefully you'll come on there, brother, you know, as a guest, one of my anytime, first guests. Anytime. Yeah, anytime. but I appreciate the invite. Right. So what we're here to talk about today is uh, all the hype right now is around uh, Jonathan Majors being charged with uh, domestic violence 
uh, because his girlfriend, and we're going to go ahead right off the top, and I think everybody knows by now, his white girlfriend, um, accused initially accused him of uh, attacking or assaulting her. Uh, fortunately, there were uh, a number of witnesses. There was the driver, and there was also video footage. Uh, and the accumulation of all the evidence basically pushed her in a corner where she had to uh, submit a retraction to her charges. And for what I understand, if they're not dropped, they're in the process of being dropped. Uh, but the conversation brought on a dynamic that both of us became immediately enamored with, and that is how he's viewed. Um, I have a I think a stronger opinion about interracial interracial relationships than Tony does. And I may be wrong, uh, but I know that with me, while I love my brothers and sisters and I'm not going to dismiss you, uh, disown you or any of that stuff, I will say that I don't think it's best for us. Um, but at the same time, I'm going to love on my brothers and sisters. And then unless someone shows me that they are literally anti-Black empowerment, I I'm going to hold you down because where I may be strong in one area that I hold up, that's that's definitely uh, going to be the likelihood that there are areas I still need to be stronger in. And I think Brother Malcolm said, remember that you didn't always know what you know. Uh, and so I take that. But one of the things that we started to talk about, Tony, was uh, the dynamic in which a lot of these relationships take place. Because there's this uh, assumption or postulation that when you see a successful black man with a white woman, he decided to grab hold of this white woman or pursue a white woman after he became successful. Um, and I did, you know, a, a video yesterday where I talked about the dynamic of how that normally actually takes place. But you made a very and here's the thing: I read your your comment on on the video yesterday, so I'm going to let you expound on that because your take on it is that number one, Hollywood chooses a certain type of male. So elaborate on that first. Yeah, well, I know the general assumption is that well typically by black women is or and just the black community in general is that when you see successful black men once they get into positions of promise prominence and notoriety and fame celebrity wealth they choose white women and as some sort of trophy but i think there's a very important point that people are missing because a lot of these men that that were accusing of doing this they weren't rocking with black women in the first place. And, you know, it can be for a myriad of reasons. But, like, let's just take for an exa example, uh, Michael B. Jordan, right? Just what, a, a couple weeks ago, a month ago, they were talking about how corny he is. You know, he's the corny type of dude. You know, <laughs> you know a, a lot of jokes going around about this guy. You know, Michael B. Jordan represents, to me, like, the, the good guy. The guy that's that 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 a lot of women really need, but they don't really want, you know. So I think these men that women are accusing of doing that, a lot of them, I mean, some are maybe they wanted to be with black women, but I do know that a lot of black women aren't choosing these guys to begin with. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And 
I also believe that when it comes to Hollywood, there is a certain type of black man that they're looking for. And it's usually someone who is more, uh, I guess, let's say integrated into a different cultural norm or a different cultural setting that isn't, you know, so quote unquote black, you know, you know, I, 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 they, they pick the guys that are dating white girls, you know what I'm saying? They, they pick the dudes that are at those, you know, those wild parties and, and, hanging out in certain areas, certain circles where there may be excessive drug use or things that are not really typical in our circles. You know, my son, he is in a, you know, he goes to a performing arts school and, you know, he just started high school, you know, he, from, you know, from, so from middle school to high school, it's a big difference. And it's a tremendous culture shock for him. You know, number one, because he's around a lot of different cultures now, you know, he's a, around a lot more, you know, white people, Asians, people of different, you know, demographics. But one thing that he always points out to me is that there are certain things that these kids are doing that he couldn't imagine doing based on the way that he was raised. So I just think it's, it's it could be like a, a, a social, a, a, a socialized type of difference. I don't know. But I think that once you get into those circles, that's where they pick you from. That's where they choose you from. So it's almost like in order to get into Hollywood, Hollywood knows the type of black dude that they want. Right. And so how are you handling that? Well, well, I try to keep, well, you know, thank God. I just say like, man, thank God I am there. Like I'm a single parent. So I keep my son grounded because there are a lot of influences that he's subjected to that are really, really scary. You know, and I'm not just talking about uh, drug use. It's just so many things that I know that if I weren't in his life and and also to make him confident in his masculinity as a young black man, you know, I, I don't know where he would be. You know, it's it's and, you know, there are so many agendas that are being pushed through Hollywood. And, you know, it, it, it actually even takes away from the passion that a lot of these young artists you know, have for the entertainment industry, for their craft. So I just try to keep my son focused on the craft and I try to keep him, you know, just grounded in who he is so that even when he gets around these influences, it's all right. You know, he knows what it is, but he won't partake in certain behavior and certain activities because he knows who he is. And that's the most important part. As a young black man, I want my son to understand, know who he is. And never be ashamed of of standing in his masculinity as a young man, because there's nothing toxic about masculinity. Right. So uh, I want I want to I want to say something on that. Then I'm gonna double back to the other part of that. Um, I think what you're saying is extremely important. I think one of the things that we need to do a better job of is what you're doing. And unfortunately, not every black male has a black father in the home or has a positive black male role model, which is a huge part of how we socialize young black men. Because what you keep saying is knowing who you are, what you're saying is you need to have not only an understanding of your general identity, but your racial identity, because in your racial identity is your true self and the understanding of self and being okay with your blackness. Because to me, what we have to look at when I look at this and I see it solely from a racial perspective, um, it, to me, it is 
a lack of understanding of who I am and why I am and what I am in, in a sense of it's easy for me to, if I don't know who I am, if there isn't a level of confidence in me, then I can be convinced that my blackness is a handicap. I can con yeah. be convinced that my blackness sets me back. I could buy into the black inferiority uh, narrative and think getting something white means I'm better. Right. And you become apologetic for being for your blackness. Yeah. For your blackness. Yes, of course. Absolutely. Right. In this industry, you know, you I mean, it's all about um, what, what do you call that? Code switching. I mean, we all know what code switching is, you know, to a certain degree, everyone has done it. But when it comes to like the entertainment industry, specifically, you know, uh, the movie industry, film industry, there's a lot of code switching that black people feel obligated to do just in order to get their opportunities and it's unfair so i, I don't want to i don't want to condemn those people so much but I, I do empathize but i think that once we are more unapologetic about who we are we're actually going to see more doors opening because it's it's that uncompromising nature being that we tend to be the driving force of everything cool and trending anyway in this country that can truly like create real opportunities for us and and draw more people to us because we're very talented people and it's just a shame that especially when it comes to hollywood it's like even when certain black men get in the door it's like they do it one at a time you know they, they create a space for one or maybe two and that's it but if you look at everyone, you know, you see so many people of other demographics who are there. They're, I mean, yeah, they're, you got Tom Cruise, you got Brad Pitt, you got this one, you got that one. But with black folks, you don't really see too many. You and know, I think it's, it's, they, they normally stack us. You, you know, we went through, uh, you know, Denzel and then Samuel L. And then, you know, Marty Freeman has been around forever. I think he's right, right. But, uh, you, you get him, then Will Smith came in, and then we started coming into the newer age cats. Uh, but we're a quota. Like, uh, the, yeah, our talent yeah. is treated as a quota. Right. And, and that's a problem. That's a major, major problem. And, and so, again, I, I, I understand your point on um, sort of being forced to code switch or play a certain narrative or present a certain identity. Yeah, and compromise, you know, what may be your moral, you know, values. And and so that's one thing. And then uh, I want to go back to a point you made because someone made a matter of fact, I'll just put it up here. It's a little long, but you can take some time to read it while I speak on it. Then you can address it. Uh, the, the notion that some of these guys are the guys that black women didn't want. And yeah, I can speak to that. I, I saw that. I saw that comment. And I'm not saying that to be, you know, venomous in any way towards black women. But I think in order to identify a problem, we have to acknowledge that it exists. And as we were talking about earlier, you know, black pe black women in particular today are very much uh, uh, how do I say this <laughs> without yeah, sounding be, be careful. Be careful. I don't want I don't want I don't want to have to order security. A lot of our black women are just not interested in 
men's potential, you know, according to the doctrine of today's relationships. Potential doesn't mean shit. You know, excuse my French. It don't mean anything. You need to have the car. You got to have the job. You got to you got to be doing this. You got to be you have to already be established. And the, the unfortunate truth is when you're talking about black men who happen to be the most marginalized group in this country, that's not going to be something so easily accomplished with every relationship. So while a lot of our women do appreciate men with potential, a, a hell of a lot of them don't. And they're not making themselves available for these types of men. But guess who is? Becky. What, what Beck, I talked about this yesterday. See, what we don't understand is there's this idea by black men. Oh, you still don't there? worry, I'm still here. Okay. There's this idea by black men, uh, about black men that um, you know, we sit up and um uh, where was I going with this? Okay, so we're talking about the the whole Becky thing, right? Yeah. Okay, so we we we're talking about. Man, I lost my train of thought totally. When you went black, you lost. Yeah, me. I, I'm so sorry about that. That's, that's okay, but 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 in essence, what were you saying? Because you triggered my thought. No, I was saying that you know how basically a lot of our women they're not really interested in potential. They want the right now. They want it now. If you want to be with me. You got, you know, come on, we've been hearing this throughout history. Okay, you got to have now, a all of now that. I know, now I know what I was going. So what right. happens is that's this idea by black men that when a woman says, I won't marry potential, I need you to be on your A game. A lot of black men interpret that as you being opportunistic or being a gold digger. I'm not, I'm not advocating that idea, but that's a lack of understanding of why the black woman is where she's at right now, because the mm -hmm. black woman doesn't have the capacity or the, the space in which at many times to say that because she doesn't have the, 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 the support mechanisms to catch her if this dude doesn't come through. Now, the flip side of that is Becky, and it's important that we understand how this dynamic works. white men who come from money, who have always had money, mm -hmm. are not checking for white women who come from meager beginnings. Right. They tend to want to marry money or prestige. So there's a group of white women that want to get on and get a millionaire that a white millionaire won't give a second look to. So guess what she's aiming at? She's aiming at the black guy, but she understands that she needs to get in on the ground level. That's the only difference between a black woman who wants that dude and a white. The white woman is literally conditioned. And it's not just for black men. White women are conditioned. Right. Look at the potential. Go and support the potential. I can't tell you how many cases in my research where I saw white women put their doctor husbands through medical school, their lawyer husbands through law school. He went to school. She went to work. So the first 10 years of the marriage, she worked, but she don't work no more. Right. And I, I think also, though, I mean, let's be real. White women have a, a have more of a social standing to be able to wait on potential. <laughs> you know, they, they, yeah, they have more of a convenience to be able to to focus on those types of elements of relationships where, unfortunately, you know, whenever you're dealing with marginalized groups, it's like there's this pressure to, to yeah. get it now. You got to because yeah. that again. At, on average. The average white person 
is going to be seeded by somebody in their family, the down payment for their first home purchase. That's right. That's right. That's not happening in the average black family. You're going to actually come if you went to school to get your advantages as far as making yourself marketable in, 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 in the business world. You're probably sixty five, seventy five thousand, one hundred thousand dollars in school student loan debt. So what does that mean? That means you're starting out one hundred thousand dollars behind in wealth building. Of course. Right. OK. And then you're going to go out and have to hustle to come up with a down payment for a home and make sure your credit is OK. So you're trying to do all this and you're finding out that the piece of paper on the wall isn't worth what you've already spent on it. And so now there's all these other things going on. On the flip side, they're getting underwritten. They're getting a head start. That's what generational wealth does. So, yes, there is a smaller amount of tolerance or capacity for a, a black woman to say, I'm going to marry potential. But here's something that I want to present to the black woman because that's his idea. Because here's the thing. My, my, my research tells me that black women are the least likely to marry outside of their race. So then... What that tells me, you got a lot of single black women. Okay, yeah. that's the first thing. The other thing it tells me is your experiences are locked in to only having dealt with black men. So your understanding of men is limited to the black experience. Here's what I can tell you. The, one of the things, one of the reasons that black women have given me why they want, because you'll see it. They, they'll tell you in a heartbeat, I'm not marrying potential. I'm not going, and, and, and I get it. If you're in your 30s and 40s, probably not good. But if you're starting out in, in college and you're looking at him and he's this kid that gets A's in aeronautics, it's probably a chance he's going to do something with that. But not, and obviously everybody looks at the athlete because that's the fastest way to millionaire status, but very few make it. Uh, and then I'm going to turn it back over to you. But my thing is, what you have to understand is one of the big fears is the backside of that. I'm going to get with this dude. I'm going to work him and nurture him to, to a certain standard. He's going to become successful and he's going to dump me for a white woman. Okay. Now here's what I can tell you is in the research I've done where white women do it with white men, those men still dump the first woman because the first marriage normally with white people isn't about love. It's about strategic planning, putting yourself in the proper position. Now, remember I married money. I married the person who, whose daddy had the connections, who had this and that. And so I played that game. Now we've gotten up. Our kids are grown. I'm in my 40s. I'm going through this transitionary period. I'm moving on to the next thing. And it happens a lot with them. So it's not just a black male thing. It's a cultural dynamic of how we set up our, our lives and our past. And so a lot more has to go into understanding that. Right. But 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 even but just you said it there. It's a cultural dynamic. I think the problem is that we're so today we've adopted a different cultural dynamic that is foreign to our own, which is what continues to keep us in a constant state of dysfunction because we have our black women measuring they're gauging their relationships by someone else's yardstick. And you have the same with black men, you know, so. You have all of these forces that are basically telling us this is what you should expect in a black man. This is what you need to expect in a black woman. But these are all based upon metrics that unfortunately don't apply to us in the same way. I'm sorry. Say it again. Go ahead. What were you saying? 
Uh, I'm saying that, that, that it's a Eurocentric idea, a notion of what is, and so much of how we judge our lives and judge what, 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 what we should have, what we should do, how we should look is based off of a Eurocentric notion or a Eurocentric idea of what is, a Eurocentric idea of what's beautiful, a Eurocentric idea of what's intelligent, a Eurocentric idea of what's classy, what's professional. Right. We are just not getting to a point where our women can wear their hair natural in the workplace and not be viewed in a negative light. And so many have stood up and said, in order to be accepted in the professional world, I'm going to go do it this way because they won't accept me. And now we're finally gaining ground because, again, more black women are what? Becoming unapologet unapologetic about their beauty, unapologetic about their hair. And it's it, 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 in, 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 in um. You, 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 yeah, but look, I want you to speak on what's going through your mind right now. Right. No, no, no. I, I, I agree with that when we, when you're saying, you know, more black women are becoming more apologetic in their presentation and who they are and all of that. I agree with that. But I, but you know, basically you made the point. We're so detached from who we are, you know, by applying other standards to ourselves that we don't know who we are, which is why, you know, I brought up that point earlier when talking about my son. You know, we have a responsibility, especially as black men, to, you know, in, instill within our children a very strong sense of who they are, because that is what enables them to, to function in a society that is constantly at odds with them. And, you know, I just think that if black men and black women let go of the external social influences and focus more on who we are as a people and our relationship dynamics, which are completely different from everybody else, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I think we would get so much further. I just think we've just become so indoctrinated with all of these different social movements that don't even benefit us, that we're busy fighting for everybody else while not even realizing that many of these 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 movements and these political movements, they're, they're, they always contribute to the destruction of our families, and we just don't see it. Right. And who gets scapegoated for it most of the time? Black men. And why? Because we live in an anti-Black misandrist society. And at some point, we're going to have to talk about this. There is a very strong, a very pronounced hatred for Black men in this society. And, not, and, and I'm talking about even more so, I'm heterosexual black men. So, you know, it's masculinity from black men is viewed as one of the most dangerous things in this society today. Hence, so many movements to suppress it. You know, so that's why I say it's just very important that we know who we are and our, and our right. women support us. You know what I'm saying? Because we, we, we have, we're getting attacked from all sides here. You know what I'm saying? Right. And one of the things that I look at when I look at the gender war within the black community, uh, you mentioned this before we got on. It is a social engineer, socially engineered construct. It yeah. is by design. It is about hyper emphasizing negative behavior. For instance, the truth of the matter is, and this is this can be statistically uh, validated that. The second leading cause of death for black females between 15 and 44 is interpartment violence. The vast majority of that because black women tend to choose black men significantly over any other race, that it's likely going to be a black partner. 
uh, what we don't look at when we're measuring that, because it's hard for me because every black life to me matters. So it, whereas in on a scientific letter level, I'm looking for statistical significance. In other words, enough of this happening to say it's a real issue and right. not an anomaly. Right. Right. OK, it's a real issue. But the vast majority of black men aren't those dudes. But you all you, but you don't get the the, the masculine unapologetic black man presented anywhere so you don't even get to know he exists right you don't get to see the black man who speaks up and stands up for black woman and that nobody's going to harm a black woman in his presence you don't get to see that guy right. you do like get to see the guy these institutions these media outlets right. everything that's feeding us all of this information right. this one-sided information now and, and, and I'm going to take this statement that's on the screen to make my next point. It says, unfortunately, many are looking for black men with white male entitlement. That That's not realistic. The question is, does he have the plan and a purpose? So important to understand. Yes. That. I teach my girls, and I said this yesterday, I teach my girls, my daughters, but I also teach young girls that I'm working in the community with. When you meet a man, don't look at what he drives. Don't look at where he lives. Don't look at where he works. Ask him what his vision is. If he doesn't have a clear plan, a clear purpose, he can't tell you exactly where he's going to be or where he hopes to be in five years and how he's going to get there. That's not where you want to be, because the moment he tells you what his plan and his purpose is, you can immediately search yourself to see if you fit. You can also say, is that where I want to be in five years? Is he going in a dark? Because a lot of times what happens is a lot of our relationships implode because of unrealistic expectations. Mm hmm of thinking that this is going to happen in three years and we're going to and when it doesn't you start looking at each other's side eye but here's the thing we uh i call it the body in the bag for now over the last few years we got this idea that because a man makes a certain amount of money he's a high value man it's so much more to being a high value man than his bank account or the bag uh but the problem is we've dummied down what we need from our women too because now we've dummied down the man we totally commodified black manhood can he pay all the bills? First of all, let me tell you, the median income for black men is 44000 It's not a bunch of black men that can pay all the bills right now. That's mm -hmm. an unrealistic expectation. Does he have the potential to reach a point where he can pay all the bills? Can he take his vision, his dreams, his skill set, and his drive? And are you willing to work with him to do that, which is very important because we can't divorce from that the fact that black women are the most educated group in this country. They are afforded far more opportunities in employment, business, education than black men. That, that's just that's just the truth of it. So if you're not willing to be a team with this black man and you and you approach this, well, I want him to have exactly what I have or more, or I want him to have this much, it's not a realistic expectation. We can't divorce this from the, the true systemic issues that exist. Here, here's something else to go right along with what you're saying. Black, the black race is the only place where you find that the, the woman in the race is pretty much equal in income with the man. And now you've got to understand this is a median income thing. Right. So the median income, 44,000 for men and right at 43,000 for women. And it's 10,000 or more for any other group. Mm. indifference so the the leverage that another man has in another race to say you need me 
Right. We don't have different. And when you commodify him, you don't need him because I make as much as you are or more in many instances. And the only reason it's even a situation where we are actually earning more is because of situations like the entertainment industry and athletics, where the difference in income between black male athletes and black female athletes is huge. Right. Okay, so if you take that out of the equation, if you take everybody that makes over a million dollars out of the equation, they out earn us. Oh, of course. Right. Okay. And, and, and it was, it's and, not by accident. It's not. Okay. I mean, this the, the commodification of black men, it's intentional. It's intentional in order to create unrealistic standards that will keep us in a constant state of disunity. That's just what it is. But we need, I think, to get back to the days. And, and well, when I say like back in the 60s and <laughs> it's crazy, like back in, in Jim Crow era, <laughs> the 60s, you saw a very strong black family unit where we were all subjected to a certain amount of struggle and we all had to work together. We all knew we had to do what we had to do together. But nowadays, I, I don't know, it's just as, as time has gone by, there have been so many external influences that have driven a wedge in our families. I have a, bland, a handsome black 23-year-old son who just graduated, has a six-figure salary, has been raised in a loving, caring environment in a two-parent household. He has a hard time dating black women because he's not black enough. Mm, mm. He likes black women, but white women accept him. So much potential. Just wish our young black women would be more open-minded. You know, I think that's a very important comment. And oh, that's why I throw it up there. It yeah. makes the point you made coming into this. So go right. ahead and break. Yeah, it makes a very important point, but I think even more important, we have to stop being offended whenever we're faced with the truth, whenever we're faced with a reality that exists. You know, I said it earlier, in order to 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 deal with a problem, we have to first acknowledge that it exists. It exists. You know what I'm saying? This is probably a brilliant young man, has everything going for him. He's but let's be honest, probably a lot of these these women, young ladies are not checking for him. We know what I mean. All, all we have to do is look at the comments of the uh, uh, next to the pictures of a young Michael B. Jordan and a young Jonathan Majors before the bodies, before the cool, yeah. And, and, and the comments, these are women commenting on it that know what they turned out to be, yeah. But looking at it and saying, I'm not checking for that. I need a little edge, I need a little this. I need yes. and my, there's this idea also. There's this idea that if I have a command of the English language and I speak in sentences that are properly structured, that it removes or subtracts away from my blackness because I move a certain way, I operate a certain way. If I'm not athletically inclined, some way it subtracts away from my blackness. And the thing is, master things that don't belong to you just don't identify with them i mastered the english language but i can also walk into the hood right now where i grew up and kick it and you know and politic with them cats on the level they're on and not miss a beat and i embrace that because that's where i came from but it doesn't mean that's the only thing that i can operate in because i understand they control everything and if i don't master the things that allows me to get into their spaces i'll never have access that i can bring things back to my people so yes i went and i became educated but it didn't subtract from me i'm 100 unapologetically black I, I, like I said, I've gone through being an athlete. I've gone through being in an entertainment industry. I've gone through being an entrepreneur. I've had nothing but access to white women, never even touched one. Because in my mind, 
I've always believed that the best thing I could ever have on my arm is a black woman. Now, and, and, and you know, and I got some cats, they're not going to marry a white chick, but they are not going down. I didn't even want that. I don't want your DNA on me. And, it, and it's not a hatred towards them. I get along with them. I have a couple of male white friends that I'm real close with that held me down when nobody else would. But they understand. You still don't trump my blackness. Now, what, what, what I think is important here mm-hmm. is, and I'm going to turn it back over to you, is this very thing that we want to do. It's easier for us to be at odds with, our, with one another than it is to be at odds with them. That's right. We are turned on each other and we're going for the jugular and we'll watch them do us over and over and over again. And we'll go, well, maybe next time, maybe I'm like, are we, how, how many next times we're going to give them when we're, we won't, we won't forget. We got brothers that we're not speaking to sisters. We're not speaking to best friends. We grew up with, we ain't cooking because one thing happened. Now, granted, there's some things you cross. You can't get back from. But a lot of this stuff is that it's easy to turn against somebody that you know or you don't fear can cause you as much discomfort or harm as the next person. It's like they've got us convinced that if we don't fall in line and toe the line and be exactly what they tell us to be, that they're going to make our lives miserable. Yeah, well, you know, black people are never afforded the same amount of grace as anyone else. You know, whenever a black person makes a misstep or a mistake, you know, they're immediately you know, deemed irredeemable, you know, even just, just look at what happened with uh, Jonathan Majors. You know, the the moment I heard that he was arrested, you know, I was like, you know, let me just sit back and just be quiet. Let me just wait and see what's going on here. But everybody just started running with their own narratives. Like, and, and, and listen, I saw women who in one, in one, like I saw specific women who were, just a couple of weeks ago, you know, talking about how this guy was the definition of masculinity. And, you know, I guess when those controversial pictures came out with him and um, uh, Michael B. Jordan, you know, how he this is what masculinity is. You guys are this, that, you know, you know. But then the moment an allegation comes out, they're calling him abusive, a woman abuser, all of this stuff, just based upon the word of some white people that put up some tweets. And I think that's such a really good indicator of the, the, the brainwash. You know, it, it also shows how we don't even afford each other any amount of grace. What we're doing is we're mimicking what society does because whenever a black man is accused, he's guilty until proven innocent. And even when he's proven innocent, they'll still take your shit away. I mean, this guy, he lost, um, he lost, he did a commercial for the army I wouldn't. I mean, I don't like that. But he, he did a commercial for yeah. the army. They pull that. You know, I'm hearing there's discussions about pulling him from the the uh, Marvel franchise. I mean, bro, this after a mere allegation, and people had already stated that the woman recanted her her um statement, her um uh allegations, and that there was video evidence. But people are still falling back from the dude. You know what I'm saying? They put so much stock into these two white people who put out some, you know, some slanderous shit about him on the Internet and then privatized their accounts. So now you can't even look at their accounts. But that's enough to just destroy this man's character publicly. And, 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 And one of those was a male. 
a white male. A white that, male. Yeah, yeah, that did that. And so obviously there, there, there's a significance in that. And but I do want to say one quick thing. You know, with, with, I think we also need to take a look at who is criticizing this man so strongly. Because typically, and I can speak from experience as a black man who has very strong opinions, as a black man who is assertive in himself, a black man who knows who he is, I'm often deemed violent for merely being assertive or having or, or I'm combative for mm -hmm. having a, 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 an independent perspective and opinion. So I know what it is for to be labeled as a black man just because you're not falling in line with what everyone else expects right. of you. So yeah. I'm not going to join that 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 lynch mob to go after this brother when I don't even know what happens. And if your reason for piling onto this guy is because he's dating a white woman in my, I think that's corny. I think that's, that's real corny of you. You know, like I said, my thing is, I said, I said at the beginning, I am not one that's for the, the whole interracial thing, but at the same time, I have people I know that I'm close to that are uh, interracially connected. I love them and everything like that, but they know if we get into that conversation, what my stance is. So we stay away from those conversations. But I agree with that as well, but I don't think that's, that's just yeah, I'm not going. But at the same time, I'm not piling on him. I'm not going to sit up and attack him. You made that choice. Now, I'll tell you what happens when you make that choice that you're going to be with a white woman. There's certain things that you are disqualified from. As far as I'm, you can't move out in, in, in the point of black leadership and pro blackness carrying a white woman on your arm. Number two, you can't you can't talk to me after you marry a black woman about black generational wealth because you just connected your wealth to a white line, a line that leads back into the white community. So those are things you can't do. Am I going to still love you as a brother? Absolutely. Am I still going to love you as a sister? Absolutely. But there are just certain things you don't qualify from when you don't see the totality and the fullness of what it means to be connected wholly. But uh, uh, this uh, uh, this thing right here is the fact that a woman, uh, there's a couple of things that I'm going to try to get to real quick. The fact that women are being pushed to education and opportunities over men needs to be addressed as a doctor i had to understand this with my husband uh, we just we, we just talked about that i think it's extremely important that we understand why this is happening this is happening because i can i can give as much financial and social fluidity to a woman as i want to in a patriarchal society but when I create a misandrous reality in that same race, where the men in that race are downcast, emasculated, and unaccepted as a whole, and I can even create a level of vitriol between him and the woman, that race will never go anywhere. I've always said this, that we will only get as elevated as our women can spiritually lift us, and we will only get as far as our men physically lead us. And if we can't come together to accomplish that, we will never be anything close to what we're capable of being, and they understand that. So they will give it to black women. And what happens is it immediately creates the division because it places us in, in basically alternative uh, or op opposing realities. Now she makes the money. She's become the provider. Right. And and so now what happens is I'm sorry because I can't find a, a good job. And if I go out and try to make it happen, create my own business, I'm a dreamer. And, you know, 
and, and if right. and the thing is, we don't see the connectivity. Or, or if you actually happen to succeed in what you're doing, you may be scapegoat scapegoated as you know the this, this is this, as the proof that racism doesn't exist and all this stuff that's going on well, isn't not even that you may sometimes even be scapegoated as the reason for the the patriarchy you know because black men are often punished for white male patriarchy so oh, all the kinda, time. yeah so you know, it's kind of like uh, a, a, we're keeping the black woman down we don't have the power to keep nobody down yeah i just wish people could understand the the level of immense pressure that black men are under in this country and in this society. You know, it's, 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 we have so many things that are, that are fighting against us being with our women and our families. And I know it's easy sometimes to just kind of scapegoat it to say, he ain't shit. This guy's a loser. And I listen, there are plenty of losers out there. I know that. But I think a lot of us are being painted as something that we're not. And when we try to communicate these things to our women, we go unheard. You know, you can just participate on any post on social media and just say anything that is in the affirmative, speaking about black men. And you're always going to find people jumping in, piling on to, to degrade the point. Or if you offer loving criticism to black women, you're going to get well, you do it too. Or, well, what about you? You know, and I just think we're in a place right now where society is telling us that we, that we are, we have uh, differing uh, needs as a community. Black women here, black men there. You got the LGBT agenda, right? You got the feminist agenda. You got this agenda, that agenda. But then you have the black woman and black men agenda two separate agendas that are that are presented to you so i just think everything in this society functions based upon the 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 continued dysfunction of the black family from entertainment <laughs> the prison system i mean if we're if we're willing to just stop for a second take a look and have real dialogue with each other and be willing to to humble ourselves because I think that's the hardest part of engaging in conversation with each other. I hate to get on social media and see all of the fighting going back and forth between black men and black women specifically, because I know what it does. And I know the enemy's just sitting there watching it and loving it because we're contributing to our own demise. And, and it's just so crazy. All it takes is just for us to listen to each other and I know sometimes, like I'm a very strong advocate for the black community, right? Let's say that. But I'm going to also say that I'm a very, very strong advocate for black men. And it is not to say that I am not an advocate for black women because I am. I have daughters. But what I'm saying is that as a part of a group that is the most unheard group in this society and the most propagandized group in this society, I'm saying to black women, we need you to hear us because the enemy um, can you still hear me i can still hear you keep going yeah i'm sorry it's this it's this new camera that i got the enemy is 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 pointing not just they're not just pointing their weapons at at, at me they're pointing their weapons at you as well so i just want us to to stop 
jumping on so many other agendas that don't help us and start focusing on a black agenda, one that helps us and, and continues to, to build our families and raise our children, because that's the most important thing that we have right now is our children, because that's our legacy. That's our future. Right. And I, I, I agree 100 percent. And th there are a couple of uh, comments made by uh, Evie Marie uh, that, that I want to address real quickly. Then I'm going to turn it over to you. and We can kind of close out this thing. We're moving up on an hour. I don't want to keep you too long. Uh, but in, in the, in the uh, comment she makes right after this, you can go ahead and check it out. You can see it in the uh, field, right? Yeah. Why okay. do black men think a black woman? Has no, not that, not that one. Look over in the uh, chat. The, the next one she does where she's talking about. Can we rebuild our communities? I think that's something that needs to be touched as well. But actually on this EV, where, where we're talking about uh, the lady that spoke up, she says her, her son likes black women. He's making moves, but they're not feeling him. Right. And so it's not a black man waiting on a black woman to check for him. It's that when he moves at her and she's like dismissive or she, you know, she's looking at him like he corny. Or she, yeah. whatever. And, and so, yeah, he's feeling like, you know, well, I don't have a place. And now let me explain it so women can understand. There are certain things among black women that differ based on complexion, hair texture. And a bunch of other things where one, one woman to be one black woman to be accepted in it and another black woman won't. And imagine that being you and how you feel about that. That's how black men feel when because of who he is, how he talks or what he's focused on doing or becoming makes him unacceptable or unappealing to black women. Because, again, no, I guarantee you the average black woman or the average young black girl was not checking for young Jonathan Majors or young Michael B. Jordan. I see. Right. That, that, that's not what the physical presentation was. And they probably was goofy as hell. You know, that's where they were. That's how they were thinking. You know, uh, that's not what the average person is checking with. And, and so it's not about whether he's checking for something. It's about when he sticks his head in there, does it get chopped off? And eventually you start to read the intensity of the crowd. You start to sit up and feel like, I don't belong here. Yeah, remember I mean, that, that interview back. Said they were bullying Michael B. Jordan. Remember, I mean, come on, let's be real. He he brought it. He he matter of fact, I'm gonna tell you something. This dude is a millionaire now, one of the most successful dudes in Hollywood. He was still carrying that shit. Thank when you. Saw, when he saw Chick, thank he you gave her the business. Why he's still carrying that shit. And and so this is the psychological impact. This is what people yeah. don't understand. You carry these things for, for your for life. Listen, colorism, listen. I'm as dark as can be. You know what I'm saying? I love who I love my complexion now, but I carried this complex about being dark for so much of my younger life. You know, they used to, you know, y'all know out there, the, the dark, yo, they left you in the oven too long, charcoal bliss, and, and, and all this. I mean, but even think about think about this. And see, I, I grew up in, in both both sides of my family from Louisiana. So I caught it from both ends because I'm not light enough. To, to, to be accepted by the lights and I'm not dark enough to be accepted by the darks. So I got it from both ends. But there's this thing. Think about it. When your mom got mad at you, one of the negative things she got with your black ass. Black ass. Yeah. And, and, and so this is literally ingrained in us. So when we, receive it from our, yes, when we receive it from our own people, it's just a reinforcement. Now, the next question is, and, and I'm going to leave it with this and we'll, we'll try to close out. I'm going to let you close out however you want to. 
says, can we rebuild our own communities, industry and education systems, etc.? We are forced to integrate just so they can control every aspect of our lives. Just keep uh, to keep us divided. Exactly. Now, the thing is what that looks like. And one of the problems I have, and I'm going to turn it over to you and let you close it out. Uh, one of the problems I have is we don't have long sightedness. Uh, we don't have um, we don't have the ability to be heavily invested in the endurance to see the long term. I often say that in order for us to experience true liberation and true power, we're going to need black men who are willing to plant seeds that we may not live long enough to see come to fruition. Mm -hmm. We have to start some things that change some things by empowering the youngest generation before they are exposed to it and start to get the negative influx of who they are. And then we're going to have to insulate them long enough for what we've planted to set in and take root so that when they get out there, they're not shaking about it. You talked about this at the beginning, the, the, the level of identity. One of the biggest parts of black man lead is racial identity, understanding who you are, being good with who you are, not sitting up trying to apologize for it, not sitting up trying to prove to somebody you're not as black as the next person, but to sit up and say, you know what? I'm beautiful in who I am. I'm strong in who I am. But more important, and I want you to kind of touch on all of this, but definitely this, we've got to reestablish the importance of black masculinity because it's under a full all out assault. And it started with the coining of the phrase toxic masculinity. Yep. And the idea that anything toxic can be associated with masculinity opens up the attack on anything masculine. And, and, and if you don't understand how wordplay is done, when I put toxic masculinity together, now anything I don't like about masculinity, I can I can now associate as being toxic. When in truth, there are some th certain things about us and our masculinity that are necessary for us to be good at what we are supposed to be doing. And now I turn it over to you and you can close it out. Well, if you well, are a couple of things. One thing you never hear is the phrase toxic femininity. And there's a reason for that. You know, I think we need to get to a place where we are able to identify what masculinity is because there's nothing toxic about masculinity. But I believe that when we talk about toxic masculinity, it's one of those things that is covertly aimed at black men because they are always disproportionately punished or castigated for this toxicity. So. Let's talk about what masculinity is. I mean, I saw Jonathan Majors. He gave like a little milk toast response, you know, a little politically correct response, you know, for the industry. But but what is masculinity? What like has anyone ever stopped to, to, to really think about it? What is masculinity? Because my understanding of masculinity is several things. It's well, it's the most significant part of masculinity for me is protection. Now, that Number one. Yeah, that protection can be fierce, it can be ferocious, it can be nurturing, but it is a protection. It is also leadership. You know, we, we're, we're, we're at a place where all of those important characteristics that are needed to guide our children and our families, they're no longer appreciated. And when you see this moniker attached to masculinity, you're now seeing all the things that benefit you as detrimental to you. So we, we have to, first of all, abandon that lie. Now, secondly, when, when we're talking about uh, 
the the last comment you were talking about with building the communities and things like that. I, I, let me just tell you right now. The black community is in a serious state of emergency. As my sis Tamika Mallory always says, we are really hold on a second. Alexa, stop. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> we are in a state of emergency. And I fear that as a Gen Xer, we're the last line of defense, brother, because we've been going through a decades long social engineering campaign that has been most heavily visited upon us with the, the newest generation. Right. And that's that's Generation Alpha. That's what comes after Gen Z. Right. So we got Generation Alpha. We got Gen Z. We have millennials. Millennials still got some sense. I'm not trying to, you know, be insulting to anybody, but I believe that the the, the last connection that we have to um, the elders, the you know, the, the 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 baby boomers, which everybody's always trying to demonize, but the last connection that we have to the ages of old, when we had real family values, we're the last line of defense for that right now. So I think we have a very real responsibility to instill in this younger generation those values before we leave this earth because there will be no more after us. I'm telling you, we cannot become disconnected from who we are. And we are the last line of defense for that connection. So we have to engage more with these young people. Listen, I see it all the time. We look down on them with judgment, with condemnation. Oh, we don't want to talk to all oh, these these kids. They, they they no no no. The right. situation that we see right now, a lot of that is our fault. A lot of that is based on policies that we voted for. A lot of that is based on things that we just stood by and let happen. So we have a responsibility, and that's where it goes to your point of the forward thinking. We have to develop a sense of forward thinking. We have to think beyond today beyond next year beyond 10 years from now we have to look ahead to the to the the next generations that come after us and i think it, it becomes a lot easier when you have children because as a as a father of children you know everything that i do is for them and everyone that comes after them you we want we need to build a foundation you know and and yes we are capable of building our own institute our own institutions yes we are our own financial base, we can do it. The problem is that we talk so much, but we don't put things into action. And we also don't trust each other. And guess what? They taught y'all that too. So we got to get to a place where we start looking at this and we start to see a friend instead of an enemy. We have to start engaging in those uncomfortable conversations that, you know, before they weren't so taboo, but now we, for some reason, we don't want it to have these conversations with each other. But I think all of it is wrapped up in ego because we live in a grossly egotistical society that tells us that our reality is reality. No, this is a, this is fostering a sense of delusion within all of us. So don't subscribe to that. Don't fall for it. Think for yourself and be willing to submit and humble yourself and have those conversations with your own community have those conversations with that brother and and last and the last thing i want to say as far as our preferences listen 
I got to be attracted to the person that I'm that I'm with, right? You know, you're gonna get in a relationship, fine. But I think we need to reevaluate the things that we have traditionally found as attractive and appealing, and understand: is it more of a a a, a feeling of uh, social obligation, or is it more so that you know we're afraid? Step outside of your comfort zone, because I'm telling you. A lot of those, the good guys out there, a lot of those, those, those dudes like Michael B. Jordan and, and uh, what's this guy, Jonathan Majors that were playing with the Yu-Gi-Oh cards in high school and they look like they pay their taxes on time. <laughs> those are the dudes that you want to be with. You know what I'm saying? My son, you know, he's a, a young aspiring actor and he's one of those guys. Handsome kid, brilliant kid. He has a bright future ahead of him. And I just thank God that he knows who he is. And any woman who doesn't want to be with him, guess what? He knows that's her loss. So let's get to a place like that. Right. Sorry I'm, for talking so long. No, 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 no. I think we're going to leave it right there. But something my grandmother told me that really touches to what you talked about, about the responsibility of us fixing what we broke. Yeah. Um, I asked my grandmother one time, my grandfather was the un... Uh, unchallenged head of our house but he wasn't the boss of the home he let her run it but when something had to happen where it had to be a final decision the final decision was always his yeah. um and one time he made a choice she didn't agree with it and i could tell it really bothered her so i went to her and i said he can't read he, he was born in 1909 son of a sharecropper had a second grade education because he had to leave school go out in the field and work with dad in order just to put food on the table but unbelievable wisdom. He worked hard. He made his way, was successful by anybody's standards, but he did it without, a, without an academic education. And so right. I said, if you just go tell him you did it, you know, I'm, I'm nine or 10 years old. Right. You go tell him you did it, but do what you think is best. He won't know he can't read. He, she said, number one, I said, so why did you? She said, he's my husband. He is my covering. He is my protector. He's not perfect. He's not always right. But you know what he is? He's a man that if he's wrong, he will fix it. That's right. She said, that's all I could ever ask is that the moments that you're wrong, you come back and make it right. We're in that moment right now. And that's the point you were making. We've got to make it right. It's on us. Yeah. One, one final thing. Uh, Lay uh, says that there is such things as toxic masculinity, toxic femininity. I, I, com I completely disagree. There are opposing dynamics. But what we've learned is to take uh, poor behavior and associate it with masculinity. Right. True masculinity is protecting. True masculinity is providing. True masculinity is leading. True masculinity exactly. is covering. Masculinity in this very, very definition has no room to be toxic. No, but when you attach, but see what happens when you attach toxicity to it, any behavior by a man that isn't acceptable becomes toxic masculinity. Eventually, you don't trust masculinity. That's right. Same thing with femininity. The true nature of femininity can never be toxic. Right. Like uh, uh, you're going to say a, a, a child, a toxic child. No, they may be exhibiting behavior that is toxic, but you cannot lump that characterization upon a right. child. Right. Because eventually, what you'll get is. Child. What you'll eventually get is this assumption or postulation that ch a child by nature is toxic. Is innately exactly. So you have to be very careful about how you allow them to produce, just like black on black crime. 
Oh, don't you get know. me started on that, brother. We'll be right. But what happens is black on black crime. First of all, the, unless there's some an anomaly and phenomenon, uh, what you'll find is 84% of white uh, white homicides are committed by white people. White you people. never hear white on white crime. And, and if, uh, violence is a proximal uh, occurrence. It normally happens out of passion and it normally happens around people you're around. So you're normally going to harm people you're around. So black on black crime in the fact that it's always presented in this unique phenomenon isn't a reality. Does it mean that blacks aren't harming each other? Absolutely not. It means you've right, got to be right. very careful of the terminology you accept because of what it will allow your subconscious to create for you. You got a bunch of us that don't trust black people because of that, that same damn black on black yeah, crime right. thing. And race race is not yeah. a prerequisite to crime. No. But however, we've become convinced that it is because we've attached race, black, to crime. So right. now black people are now the determinant factor of crime, just like how toxic masculinity becomes the determinant of masculinity. So I hope that explains it a little bit better for you, Lay. Right. Man, it was, a, a, a as usual, a pleasure having you on. I'm hoping to have you back. I can't wait to come on your podcast. Yeah, I know that's going to be lit. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out, you know, like how I'm, you know, set. It's the location. That's that's the issue. But I really want to get started on the podcast. So I might just kind of set it up in here for now, get my camera and lighting together and then just start shooting because there's so much I want to talk about. It's going to be probably a lot more aggressive than this conversation. But hey, uh, I, I can go there. I can okay. go there. Uh, okay. but, you know, I mean, I'm about keeping it real. And I think that every environment has a place, but I think that aggression is what's needed. And it's what's being choked out of black men. The yes. natural aggression to step forward. That's what they want. The and it's assertion. I, I won't even say aggression. I'll say yeah. assertion. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what they want. They don't want the assertive black man that's going to sit up and say, not on my watch. Right. And right. so what do we do? They, 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 they basically create this negative idea of an assertive black man he's aggressive and, and even now in your terminology without even thinking you use the term aggression because that's how it's being applied me naturally being a man now a white man does it he is so assertive exactly you know exactly. and so those are the things that we have to look at and understand so Hence man again, examination of how we view each other and how we view the things that we've typically viewed one way because if we really take the time to slow down and just think about it We'll probably realize it. there's so much power in language, man, in words, man. We don't even realize it. <laughs> we don't even realize it. And the media knows it and they take advantage of it all the time. So, yeah, I appreciate you, brother, for, you know, doing what you're doing. I think we have a responsibility always to continue to dispel these harmful narratives and expose the truth whenever we can and foster, you know, dialogue. You know, I really want us to engage in in real productive dialogue, especially between black men and black women, you know, right. and just understand that whenever we tell you that you're doing something that's bothering us, it's not that we're pointing a finger at you. We're just telling you that this is how something mm -hmm. you have done makes me feel. What can we do to try to communicate in order to make things better for both of us? That's all it is. It's, it's communication. There is no progress without communication. None. So on that note, look, we're going to get ready to get out here. Thank you, everybody, for stopping in. Um, and hold on, Tony. Tony, I'm going to get right yeah, back I'm to you. So, all right. Yeah. Yeah. They said I should give it up. I just ain't good enough.
Hello everybody, Dr. Rick Wallace here, dropping in with a little special announcement for those who have followed me for any stretch of time. You know, outside of the businesses that I run, like Myriad Business Solutions, the Visionetics Institute, Odyssey Media Group, I also do a great deal of work inside of the inner city communities uh, in Houston, Dallas, and other areas. Uh, I'm asking now as we push a fundraiser that you support what the Odyssey Project is doing in the inner cities, uh, especially with programs like Black Men Lead, which is a rite of passage uh, initiative, and Restoring Ghetto for, Ghetto's Forgotten Daughters, which is a program focused on helping young girls, but boys as well, suffering from childhood sexual abuse. Uh, rape, molestation, domestic abuse, uh, absentee fatherhood, and so many other things. Uh, the information will be in the box. Thank you. I'm free to be whoever I want to be.